This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Y'all doing good? So good to see all of you this morning. We, of course, want to welcome all of you today, especially those of you that may be watching online from wherever you may be. And uh, praise God, the Bible says this is the day the Lord has made for us to do what? Yes, to rejoice and be glad. And I tell you, Jesus is coming again. You know that, don't you? So before you get too discouraged, think about what it is he promised instead of what everything else is going on around you. Amen? And that might help you a little bit, praise God, as far as your attitude and, you know, a lot of different things. Glory to God. Amen. Praise God. You're all here this morning, aren't you? All right, good. I'm glad for that. Let's open our Bibles to John's Gospel. If you brought uh, a device or a Bible or something, John's Gospel, chapter 4, if you can find that opening uh, in the New Testament, praise God. I wanted to mention to you also, I know it's been kind of an unusual uh, uh, beginning of the year, at least here at the church. Um, Didn't my son do a great job last couple weeks? Yeah, I mean, to tell you, I mean, he's not here, but... Um, I mean, well, he's over there eating breakfast. But anyway, um, <clears throat> just did a marvelous job, and we appreciate that so much. Uh, we had a little uh, fun time with uh, some health issues in our home, but thank God we're on top of that. Amen? It's really good when you're sicker than a dog, and you say, Father, I'm so glad that you redeemed me from the curse of sickness and disease, and that by your stripes I'm healed. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible tells us that we're to resist the devil, and he will flee. Sometimes you wish that whole process would go a little quicker, but then you just got to do what you got to do. Isn't that right? Thank God. Amen. So anyway, um, I just am so glad for the redemption that we have in Christ. And also, praise God, glad to be feeling good. How many of you know feeling good's better? Amen to that. Glory to God. You know, when you're hugging the commode and praising God at the same time, it's just there's You know, there's a little disparity there, but anyway, uh, God's still faithful. Glory to God. We live in these natural mortal bodies, and thank God there's going to come a day when we get ourselves an immortal, an immortal, you know, celestial kind of body that won't be subject to the dictates of this world, thank God, and it's going to be glorious. Amen? But meanwhile, back at the pass where you and I live, thank God we get to fight the good fight of faith. Isn't that right? And so we rejoice in what it is that he's promised. I want to share a message with you uh, this morning, uh, kind of wrestled with, you know, how this thing, uh, what it was supposed to look like and different things. But I definitely, uh, <clears throat> at the end of the day, if there's anything I uh, want to commu- communicate to you is the simple fact that there is no one... Um, um, that loves you more and wants the best for you where your life is concerned than your heavenly father. Now, we don't always get everything right, and we have our own ideas about different things, but I mean, at the end of the day, the Bible says, if God be for us, which he is, who can be against us? And he really is on your side. And even though there may be things going on in your life right now that you don't understand, uh, you're looking for answers, uh, things have went sideways when you expected a different result, all of these different kinds of things. It still does not change God's plan, his purpose, and his will for you. 
I use it often, of course, but I mean, it bears repetition that when he wrote Jeremiah by the Spirit of God, uh, Jeremiah wrote, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I'm glad for that. I didn't know that as a teenager. Uh, But he said, I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you and to give you hope. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. To give you a hope and a future. So I want you to say this with me this morning as we get started. My future is bright. bright. Yes, it really is. Now, again, there may be a lot of things going on in your life right now that, that give the appearance of anything but bright. But I tell you what, with God, all things are possible. And he can bring about changes within our lives. And I tell you, his plan is so wonderful for us. But we, we have an adversary. The God of this world is doing everything that he can to thwart and subvert God's will within your life. And that's why you fight or you battle in this world with the truth. You know, you see everything that's going on in the world today and basically people's, there's no integrity in men and women's mouths, full of lies. And again, it is intended to bring people into bondage. And that's why, praise God, you have to fight the lies with the truth. Amen. Everybody say, thank God for his word. Yeah, his word is truth. So I want to share, I just want to share some things with you, you know, about, uh, you know, let's give it a title. What shall we say? Oh, the new you in 22. Whoa, come on now. Huh? How do you like that? Yeah, the new you in 22. And uh, uh, that sounds wonderful, but you still have to know how to facilitate uh, that change or whatever that brings about the new you. You know, um, well, let's pray because I'll just keep talking and I'll never get to that if I don't do it right now. Y'all want to just set your hearts in agreement with me for what it is that God wants to talk to you about. Father, we love you so much, and I'm so grateful for these people. They're precious in your sight. And I'm so glad, Father, that you've brought them to this local church and that we have the privilege, Father, of beholding wonderful things out of your word to recognize your plan and purpose for us as people and as a church and what it is that you want to do to bring about, well, the changes we talked about earlier. So, Father, again, I just thank you for your grace in each and every one of our lives. Help us, Father, to open our hearts to the possibilities that you have for us. Help us, Father, not to allow pride or arrogance or even some form of pain or hurt to keep us, Father God, from walking through the door that you want us to step through. And I just thank you, Father, for your blessing in every person's life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. I tell you, he sure loves you. Did you know that? I mean, he loves you better than you love yourself, and that's probably a good thing. Glory to God. You know, God has, uh, he's been, he'd been going, going about rescuing mankind for thousands of years. Somehow or another, we happen to be able to uh, get ourselves in trouble pretty easy. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And this pattern, you know, that men have, and it's, it's pretty cyclical. And that is, is where, you know, we, we realize, you know, um, that, that God is the answer. But then we go down the road of life and we decide we don't need God. 
or at least we don't think that we do anyway. And, uh, you know, or maybe he doesn't know what he's talking about. How many of you know that God knows what he's talking about every time he talks? Huh? He knows everything. And he knows exactly what's right. But nevertheless, men, you know, we have our own ways of thinking, you know. And, uh, and thank God he gives us that privilege to be a free moral agent, to think and do and whatever, you know. I mean, he'll protect your right to go to hell if you, if you really want to. But I tell you, he offers new life to each and every person who will come and call upon his name and ask him for help. How many of you know we need help? So anyway, we have a pretty good way of wrecking things, you know, and uh, uh, when we think about the fact that maybe we get the idea he doesn't know, or yeah, God doesn't know what he's talking about, uh, and then uh, our lives end up in a real mess. Any of you had your lives in a real mess before? If you haven't, chances are you probably will. And we come to the place of realizing we have to repent. And then we turn to God and say, you know, I need your mercy. And uh, because of his mercy, he helps us out. So everybody say, thank God for his mercy. You know, in Lamentations, the Bible says that uh, if it weren't for the mercies of God, we'd be consumed. And we really would. But thank God he is such a merciful, merciful God. So in facilitating this change we're talking about, again, the new you in 22, hallelujah. Uh, Every answer that you need, and every one of us, I mean, for as many people as are in this auditorium, uh, there may be any myriad of different needs that we have uh, where our life is concerned. And the answer that you personally need is simply... Uh, found in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, with God. And I'm talking about a a personal relationship. I'm not talking about some kind of a distant kind of far off whatever, you know, or religious kind of relationship or some kind of like mystical kind of thing. You know, these days uh, there are people that are into new age and all kinds of weird things, you know, and they, they kind of incorporate all this stuff together, you know, come up with some concoction. And uh, before you know it, man, they're just goofy. You're in a, well, they're goofy. They're just goofy. That's all. Uh, enough said about that. But Uh, you know, kind of a man-made religion kind of thing. And how many of you know that doesn't work? It doesn't work. The truth of God and who he is, his character and nature is found within the Bible. And so we have to make decisions about the fact that there might be things we don't understand or whatever, but this right here is the plumb line. It's the compass. It's, it is from which we get our direction where life is concerned. And, and I'll be honest with you, you know, I mean, one of the biggest challenges some people have in allowing that process to happen is humbling themselves. You know? I mean, think about me, think about with me, if you would, you know, Adam's response when he transgressed against God's command in the garden. Now, you know, instead of coming and saying, God, I've messed up royally, he didn't do that at all. Because see, the thing is, is when people disobey God, the the old man, the old nature, the nature of sin never wants to accept responsibility, okay? So in that scenario, essentially, and, and a lot of what drives that is men's pride. Couldn't be me. Well, the fact is, it is you. 
Hallelujah. So he said, well, it's the woman that you gave me. So he, he accepts no responsibility whatsoever. As a matter of fact, he blames the woman and he blames God. So if, if you're going to have a new you in 22, one of the things you have to realize is, is that I may have to get brutally honest with myself. Everybody say, praise the Lord. But I'm telling you what, that's where freedom, that's where freedom comes. And, and it's so important, you know, and, and probably one of the most powerful things that can happen in a person's life to really facilitate change is for them to make the decision, decide, you know what, I'm not going to go around blaming everybody else, and I'm not going to focus on whoever it is that's not doing me right or treat me the way that I need to, or if it weren't for this uh, situation or that or the whatever. You're just going to you know, wipe that slate clean, and we're going to say, Father, fix me. Help me. Show me, you know, we're, we're not the judge. He is, you know. And so very often we, we get caught up in this. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And then what ends up happening is a lot of consternation. So, again, the answers you need are found in a personal relationship with him. And the vast majority of people's problems or pe- uh, problems within people's lives, they're spiritual, you know, and, and we don't always think it in those terms. Most people just think, well, you know, if I could get this, this natural situation changed, then all my problems would go away. God, if you would just change my spouse, life would be so much better. God, if I just had, you know, a pile, boatload of money, you know, then all these problems would go away. Isn't it interesting how, you know, in our lives we'll find ourselves in a pickle, and then financially we get ourselves out of it, and we're going, whew, only to get ourselves right back in it. So that's not, a, that's not a natural problem. That's an inward, internal problem. Okay? So that's what God wants to fix. Are you with me? And so if we allow him, praise God, he can give shape to and bring into the right form or mold our lives to be able to enjoy that. So, you know, when God comes to help people in their problems, he addresses the inward issues. We're out here on the surface, you know, you know, oh God, you know. And, and then when he drill, starts drilling down in our lives and all of a sudden we start getting really quiet. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Why? Because he's going somewhere that we would rather not go. But in order to fix whatever's going on, that's where we need to land. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Praise God. It's only 1021 and it'll be over soon. Hallelujah. But the truth of the matter is, is that if you really want permanent change, if you want a new you in 22 or whatever, then, then that's what we have to deal with, you know? And uh, everybody say that's okay. It really is. Praise God. You know, we can stop finding fault with the rest of the world and we can just uh, get after it. Hallelujah. So when God comes to help people in their problems, he addresses the inward issue that is causing the outward manifestation within their lives. Amen. You know, I use the example, you know, of money. And and sometimes, you know, like I said, we... and, and there's no, I, I mean, we don't have to beat everybody up or anybody up for that matter, you know, when we get into these problems. But, but, but if, I'm, if I finally get myself out of this deal, then I, I really have to say, God, you got to help me to learn how to really manage money so I don't get back here again. How I many of you know God doesn't want you back there again? 
But if you keep doing the same things behaviorally, you know, that, that keeps getting you into this problem because, you, because of your thinking. You know, essentially, at the end of the day, it's, it's how we think. And that's why God gave us his word so that we can change the way that we think. You know, now, uh, for example, uh, what's Dave Ramsey's ministry called? You may know. I don't know. Huh? Final uh, Financial Peace University or something like that. You know, now, not everybody agrees with, with Dave, but you know what? Uh, here is an example. I mean, you know, take it or leave it. I don't, I don't care what you do with it. But here's an example of a person who had all kinds of problems in his life. And all of a sudden, he began to learn s- certain fundamental principles, you know, to be able to help himself, you know, personally. And then he took that and it morphed into a, essentially a ministry to be able to help other people so that you don't end up in the same mess. Okay? Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a good idea. Amen. Because again, you know, uh, uh, well, you get it, praise God. Now, let me, let me, let's share a story here. I love this story because it really shows the heart of our Father. I shared it Wednesday evening, but I want to share it again because it bears repetition. And it's about a gal who had a lot of problems in her life. And... Um, you know, life wasn't probably, she probably wasn't the happiest person. She had been in five marriages, and she was currently, you know, uh, living with somebody that wasn't her husband. You know, we think sometimes, you know, back in the days of Jesus and whatever, you know, the people were, I don't know what we think, but you know what? They had the same junk in their lives that people have in their lives today. It's, it's all the same. It's like I said, you know, I mean, we, we have a tendency, you know, to say, well, God, I don't really need you. I got this all figured out, and you really don't know what you're talking about. So we go down this path of self-destructive kinds of nonsense, and then, and then we find ourselves where we are. So here we are now, 2,000 years after Jesus, you know, but the story is just as real and just as applicable to each and every one of our lives. How many of you are still glad you came today? Amen. Amen. Look at this story with me in John chapter 4. And notice it says, beginning in verse 3, that Jesus left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. And he came uh, to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Joseph's well was there, and Jesus therefore, being wearied of his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about uh, the sixth hour, or noon. And then there came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy uh, food. Well then, she, the woman said, uh, of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, Ask, drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So if you thought that there were ethnic problems, you know, only in the uh, generation that you're living in, guess what? It's always been a problem, okay? Notice it goes on to say, Jesus answered, verse 10, he said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you 
living water. Everybody say living water. Hallelujah. In other words, he said, if you knew who it was you were talking to, you would ask of him and there would be something he would give to you called living water. Well, she didn't know anything about that, did she? She thought it was strange he was even talking to her in the first place. Let's go on reading then. The woman said in verse 11, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. From whence then have you this, this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob that gave us the well and drank thereof himself children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So we find that Jesus has this encounter with a woman in a natural kind of way. He had a physical need of wanting a drink. And so she's thinking naturally, of course, too, but she's, you know, she's problemed with the idea that he's even talking to her because they really don't have any dealings with one another. But you know, all of this was uh, intended for Jesus to bring this woman to a place of understanding and also accepting what it is that he offered. How many of you know God offers living water to every one of us that are here today, right now? In other words, he's, he's, he's offering the same proposition. But again, you know, sometimes we look so in the natural when our, where our problems are concerned that, that we miss what it is that needs to be understood. She goes, dude, you ain't got nothing to draw with. I come here all the time, and I mean, I don't know, you know. I've been here, you know, mostly daily, and ain't no living water. So what do you got going that I don't know about? And he says, well, I got something that you need, and only I can give it to you. Isn't that right? And, and isn't it like that? You know, you think about this gal. I mean, if we went on to read the story as I explained, she didn't have a good life. Okay, And probably this trip to the well was something that happened with her probably every day. And she probably made that trip with it in the back of her mind, it's never going to get any better than this. You know, I'm stuck. I, I, you know, just this is my life. I've screwed it all up, you know, and whatever. And, and all of these different kinds of uh, thoughts of resignation that I can't have a new you in 22. I mean, I've just, you know, done whatever, whatever, and how in the world is that ever going to happen? It's not. And then all of a sudden, she has this encounter with the king. And he says, your life doesn't have to be this way. Your life can change. You can have an abundant life because that's why I came. Woo! You know, Jesus made this statement. He said, the thief comes but for to still kill and to destroy. I have come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And that abundant life that he offers to you is not predicated on your history. Huh? You know, if that were the case, this gal would have been disqualified because she was a mess. She had relational issues. 
on a major level. You take the woman that was taken in adultery, you know, when they drug her into the middle of the street there with Jesus. Same deal. She, she had morality problems, didn't she? You know, she had sex sins in her life, and it was destroying her. Well, she got caught. And then, of course, here we go, you know. They drag her into the middle of the street to, to absolutely humiliate her. And if they get their way, they're going to stone her. They're literally going to remove her life from her because they feel justified in that because of what it is that she was doing. But, you know, Jesus took a completely different approach, didn't he? You know, that's the way God looks at you. He already knows how screwed up you are. I don't know if you realize that or not. He's, he's fully aware of your, I, I call it messed upness, but we all have it, you know? Just ask my wife, she'll tell you. She's been living with me for how long? 44 years. And uh, so anyway, but I'm working on it. Everybody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah. I tell you, I love Jesus and he loves you. And he wants you to have that abundant life that John 10, 10 talks about. And you can have it. I said, you can, you, you can have it. The decision isn't, it isn't someone else's. It, it, it isn't a, a spouse, you know, that's misbehaving or whatever, or maybe you think is misbehaving, you know, whatever, you know, you got going on. Um, but... But if you want change in your life and you come to him and honestly ask him to help you, guess what? He will. And here's the thing about that now. Y'all ready? <laughs> um, even though you don't want to hear it, you will know that what he's telling you is right. So the best thing you can do is to say, yes, Lord. You, let's practice that. Everybody say, yes Lord. yes, Lord. Yeah. The best thing you can do is say, you're right, Lord. Yes, you're right. Help me. And it might not be, you know, you got some, you know, avert misbehavior within your life, dude. You could be discouraged. You know, God doesn't want you to be discouraged. You could be angry. You know, well, guess what? God doesn't want you to be angry. Well, just, you know, this little something, something, you know, and all of a sudden, poof, away we go, and it messes up your whole life. Well, why don't we just stop some of this stuff? You say, is it that easy? Sure is. But the decision is yours. And this woman, you know, I mean... They were talking about all these natural things going on there at the well, and, you know, and um, like I said, her, her basic attitude was like, dude, it's the same old thing every day. My life, this is what my life is, you know, and you're telling me about something else, and I don't know how that's ever supposed to work, because like I said, I, I come here all the time, and I ain't got no, there's never been a change that's come out of this well for me. And so Jesus just says to her, how about we take a drink from a different place? And he starts dealing with the spiritual side of her life. 
He starts talking about the inward issues that are going on that got her to where she is. But you know, here's the powerful thing about it. He's not, he's not condemning her because she's had all this jacked up kind of thing going on in her life. He is offering her a change. He offers you a change. He offered me a change. And thank God I was smart enough to say yes. You know, that's the big deal. Hallelujah. So you have to promise me that when we leave the service today, that you're going to stop. Everybody say stop. You're going to stop blaming everyone and everything else for your problems. Okay? I, I got to say that one more time. That, that like, you know, it kind of landed, but then it skipped off. But you have to, maybe not, maybe don't promise me, promise yourself that I'm going to stop this pattern of thinking. See, I want to change the way that you think so that you aren't angry, so that you're not discouraged, so that you're not, you know, uh, wishing that someone or something could get you happy. Because that's not the way it works. It works when you and I say, Lord, I want a new me in this next year. So I'm asking you to help me. And I can see that I kind of got an attitude problem right here. So I need some help. Huh? It's powerful. It's uh, 15 minutes from last time I checked the clock. Amen. So many things could be so much different in people's lives. You could be happy. <laughs> I think about it a lot pastorally, about people's lives, about their families, what it is that God wants for them. And my heart cries out to God, that people would put down their rocks, that they would surrender themselves to the will of God. You know what you have, where your relationships are concerned, they're precious. And if you live selfishly, you run the risk of losing everything that God has given to you. Now, that's, that's pretty straight, but it's true. Mom, Dad, your kids, they need you, and they need you together. They don't need you doing life separately and, you know, harboring all this messed up junk. See, if you're a child of God, man, you, that, nuh-uh, you know better than that, but you can... Let it continue to exist in your life, or you can say, enough. Because I tell you what, I mean, I think about it all the time, you know, with people's lives, and I think about how their lives are so worth fighting 
for your family and for you to thrive and, and to be blessed in the relationship that you have. But you got, you know, I mean, it takes two of us to make that happen, doesn't it? Huh? So my hope is, is that we, we don't look at the other person, that we look at me and we say, God, you got to help me because this ain't working and I know it's not their fault. That's, that's a good place to start. It's not their fault. Yeah, do they have problems? Yeah, dude, they got problems. But so do you. And that's why we need him to fix our stuff. You can't do it on your own. We've already figured that out. Huh? Turn to Luke chapter 19. Let's look at another story. Y'all doing all right? Luke chapter 19. <clears throat> People say, well, if I just had more money, if I had more money, if I had more money, I'd be happy. Yeah, maybe. Probably not. You know. Thank you, Jesus. I want to beat on this drum a little bit more about your family. There, there, are, so, there are so many... Um, forces, hellish forces that are being assailed against what we call the, the family. And um, dear ones, listen to me. You, you, you have got to fight for what it is. God, the family was God's idea. He said, a man and a woman come together, they become one flesh, and that, from that come the blessing of God. There's a, there's a guy, I think his name is uh, Call, um, like K-U-A-L-L. He's a black guy that's running for governor in Minnesota. If you get a chance, you, you can look up this article and uh, he was talking about, you know, the, the challenges that the black community is having and why it is that they're where they're at. And I tell you, the guy is spot on. And the thing of it is, what's, what's awesome about it is, is that he is a black man so that he can address these things. But, you know, this weekend, Martin Luther King Day, and, you know, one of the um, outstanding comments that he made was is that he had a dream that we would judge people by the content of their character and not by the color of their skin. And I got to tell you, you know, there were a lot, of, a lot of good things, I think, that happened. But one of the things that this individual points out is he said when Martin Luther King was assassinated, he was five years old. And he said at that time... 80%, and he's just talking about, again, in the black community, 80% of um, the people that were born were born into a two-parent family, okay? That's 50 years ago. Today, 80% of those born within, uh, into this world are born into a single family, 
So the two-parent thing has flipped, and you have all these people that are growing up fatherless. You know, how many of you um, here grew up uh, fatherless? Anybody else? Okay. Right. Right. But the thing of it is, is that when you don't have that person to help you, it, it impacts your life. There's, there's no getting around it. Because a gal cannot be a man. And a man cannot be a gal. And so, and, and then the, the, the children, they end up being the, I don't know if you want to call it victim, but I mean, in, in, in one sense, it's a tragedy. Because they're looking and they're trying to figure out how to do life and they don't know. And they don't have a figure to, to show them someone that can lead them or guide them. And, and it doesn't make really any difference if you're black, white, or any other color. The fundamental principle is the same. And so it's so important. That's, I'm saying it because you're in a relationship now. I don't know what the status of it is, but let's just assume that you're married or whatever the case might be. Um, you know, we're going to pray more for Abby because she has to put up with Josh. But I'm just saying, you need to fight for what it is you have. And I'll tell you why. Because it's precious. Value it, you guys, you gals. Value what you have. And those kids that are in your family and all of those different kinds of things and fight for them because they need you did y'all find luke chapter 19 here's another situation begin in verse 1 jesus entered and passed through jericho and behold there was a man named zacchaeus which was uh, the chief among the uh, publicans or tax collectors or the irs okay like i said Things never change, okay? And he was what? He was what? He was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. He said, I mean, I just got to get a glimpse of this guy. I got to figure out what's going on here. And he couldn't for the press or the crowd and because he was of little stature. So he ran before and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was to pass by that way. Well, when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he saw him. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at your house. And he made haste, and he came down and received him joyfully. Everybody say joyfully. Well, when they saw it, they being the crowd, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore to him fourfold. And Jesus said to him, This day has salvation come to this house, for as much as also he is the son of Abraham. Now notice verse 10, because this is the important point. For the son of man, which Jesus referred to himself as being, is come to seek and to save 
those that are what? Lost. Now, if you're like me, I didn't know I was lost. Did any of you go through life before you met Christ and, and you didn't know that you were lost? I didn't know I was lost. I was just born into this world, born in a family, had, you know, four siblings besides myself, all of which were quite much older than I. And, um, you know, I just did whatever it is I was supposed to do, whatever I was taught. I mean, you know, whatever I was seen, whatever, you know, the current culture, you know, happened to be embracing and uh, just going down this road of life. Not knowing or having a clue that I was actually, as the Bible describes, lost. To be lost is to be separated from God. I didn't know I was separated from God. I mean, I went to a mainline denominational church, got all the pins for my attendance. You know, I'm good, right? No, I'm not. Because I didn't know that God doesn't deal with whether you're baptized in water or if you've, you know, memorized the catechism or if you've got all the pins for your attendance or whatever, because he doesn't work on the external part of people's lives. He works on their heart. And nobody had ever told me that. Okay? Wasn't that I wouldn't have maybe, you know, bought in. I, I, and maybe they tried and, now that's possible. Probably not likely, but it's possible. You know, so I went through my whole adolescent life and up into my teenage years. I didn't know God. I, I knew of him, maybe, you know. It's kind of like so many people say, well, I believe in God. You know, a lot of people say that. I believe in God, but they don't know God. Are you with me? You know, and, and in this story that we were looking at here, um, Um, I wanted to mention this one point. Here you got this little rich guy, and the Jews hate him with unbelievable disdain because he's a Jew, but he's working for the government to take their money and extract everything that they can get out of these people. So he was a traitor, you know what I'm saying? So nobody had anything good to say about it, or about him. But you know what? Zacchaeus didn't care. Why? Because he is rich. But there was something on the inside of this guy that made him seek to see Jesus. So you know the story. He climbs up in a tree. Jesus walks underneath the tree and says, hey, man, I need to come to your house tonight. Dude, he was stoked. Why? Because he never thought he'd even give him the time of day. And not only that, but everybody around them had already judged Jesus and the whole mess. Did you know that he came to seek and to save those that are what? Lost. He said, it's not the people that are well that need a physician. It's the people that are sick. And this guy was sin sick. Are you with me? So I don't know what the conversation was around the table, but it brought Zacchaeus this little guy, to a place where he stood up and he said, Jesus, I'm going to take half of everything I have. I'm going to give it to the poor. And if I have mistakenly or unjustly taken money from someone, I'll give it back to them fourfold. Now, what we don't know is that this was part of the Levitical 
uh, law back in Exodus where if someone was found to have taken or stole something from someone as a basically a thief, that they had to repay him four or fivefold. So in other words, so, so with these statements, and I don't know how you interpret it, I was going to read it out of, out of this one here because it, it reads a little bit differently. It says, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And then Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. I, I don't think that Jesus was there arm-twisting Zacchaeus to have a change of heart, do you? I think whatever it is that he communicated with him brought Zacchaeus to this place. Just like the woman at the well, Jesus you know, he, didn't, he wasn't condemning him because he was rich. He wasn't condemning him because of his lifestyle or behavior or anything like that. He just spoke the truth to him. And that guy had sense enough to realize, I need to repent and I need to do something that will advance, you know, advance the kingdom of heaven. And he did. I guarantee you Zacchaeus was never the same. Are you with me? And the same thing's true with the woman at the well or the woman that was taken in adultery or whatever, you know, because they had this encounter with the king. I'm telling you, he wants to have that with you. And I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, that you got to sit here and figure everything out. You know, sometimes it's just as simple as saying, God, I need your help. Show me. And everything can be different. You know, he'll change your life. How many of you believe that? Many of you have already had your lives changed. I mean, I'm telling you what, you're so much better off than you ever were. I think about my brother-in-law, Phil. This guy was a mess when he was growing up. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Yeah, he really was. This is even before Jan. Thank God she, well, she's had a difficult time, but she's, she's really made some significant changes. But, you know, he was just like everybody else. He was a jock, wanted to play football. He was up in Minnesota, but he wanted to play for Nebraska. I don't know why he would want to do that, but it doesn't matter. So he ends up in Nebraska, what was it, for one year? Two years. And um, I, I don't know all the story about that because I didn't know him at the time. You know, but, you know, he's Mr. Stud, you know. And, well, at least that's what he thought. <laughs> And uh, ends up in a relationship, marries, ends up having a couple uh, kids, and all of a sudden the whole thing goes sideways and, and he loses everything. And he ends up on a farm down by Henderson, down in that area, working in a hog lot. Kind of reminds you of the prodigal son, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I ended up in a hog lot for a while. You know, I'm not sure about that. But I'll tell you this much. The guy that I work for, he had the best pig average that he, has ever, that he had ever had or ever will have. Because I was a believer. Amen? I'd pray over those pigs, man. Call them blessed. And I don't know what the average was, but it was significant. Well, anyway, back to Phil. We don't talk about me. But anyway, so here he is in a pigsty. And is that where you got saved when you were working for him? Or was it before that? Before that. So anyway, um, so you know when you're working in a, in a 
hog confinement, you really don't have any other place to go but up. You know? And that's exactly what God started to do with this man. And we lived, you know, together for a while, and, you know, we were both trying to figure this whole thing out about Jesus and this and that and the other. But the main thing was is that we, we opened our heart up to the possibility of what God had for us. And think about the magnificent things that, that God did in this man's life and how many children that he has for almost 40 years touched, changed, led to the Lord, filled with the Holy Ghost. And I mean, you know, a jock as a, you know, teenager that was just full of himself. Now that just tells you God can do something with people. Are you listening to me? And he'll change your life too. Y'all doing all right? Praise God. We're coming up on uh, the hour here. Uh, He's not here, but I'll tell off on him. Um, I don't know, him and his wife, for whatever reason, they grow wings and they fly south for the winter. Merle Avis. Merle was my mentor. He taught me how to drink beer with, with, with gusto. Okay? He's five years my senior. And um, matter of fact, one time we were working together in a packing plant, and we went to work one morning, and they had locked the they had a chain around the gate and the place was closed. So what do we do? We go to the grocery store and buy a case of beer to celebrate and proceeded in the morning to get drunk. That was our life. You say, that was really you? You don't want to know me the way I was. Okay? But that's what happened. So anyway, our lives go different directions and, and thank God I get saved. Merle not quite as quickly, and uh, he ends up um, um, running off to Texas. But the thing was, and I'm talking about how God can change your life. What I'm going to share with you was not normal. People don't do this. But Merle ran because he owed the bank money and he couldn't pay it back. And so away he went. And so the bank, you know, you know, you can't get blood out of a turnip. Did you know that? So they just wrote it off. Well, guess what? Merle comes back for a visit. He's out on a golf course with a bunch of people that have just recently gotten saved and turned on the word. And on hole number five or whatever it was, Merle Avis bowed his knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and got saved. And all of a sudden, this encounter that he has with him begins to change him from the inside out. Now, most people don't do this, but you know, as Merle began to walk with the Lord, the Lord talked to him about, you know, providing things honest in the sight of all men and doing things that are right. So you know what Merle Avis did? He walked into the bank, sat down with the president and said, I owe you money. Most people don't do that. And he said, I owe you money, and I'm going to pay you back. Now, you know as well as I do, this would have been years and years back whenever. But you know what Merle Avis did? He paid that bank back, all of the money that he owed them. That's the kinds of things 
that God will do in people's lives if we'll allow him to be the one who is being the guide. Are you listening to me? Because, see, the Bible says that we're supposed to put away lying and all of the other things that are described within the Scriptures. And, and, if, uh, and I know, you know, Merle could have just said, well, you know, they don't need it. You know, the money, you know, the bank's still doing all right with all this. It was a, it was a, it was a, a matter of, of character. You guys, God wants you to be people of character. You know? People of character, people of integrity, people that, you know, do it right. Now, I kind of come back to this, but I'm telling you what, you guys, your kids need to see this. Okay? My old man, I mean, you know, bless his heart, he didn't get saved till he, two days before he died, so he didn't know much about this, but he was not a good role model when it came to what I'm talking to you about. If there's any way to get around it, baby, you get around it. If you didn't have to pay it, you don't pay it. You know, just stupid stuff. But whether you realize it or not, you give shape and form. That's why you see, when these parents, you know, like in school situations, and, and, and their kids have done wrong, and they side in with the kid, they do such a disservice. They have no idea the course that they're sending that child down. Now, I realize, you know, um, sometimes people just don't know, but I'm going to assume that we're in the know, okay? So praise God, parents, please. Grandparents, be careful about what you say. You know, they talk about older people losing their filters. I, I kind of understand that now, you know, but sometimes you just got to, Draw her back there a little bit. Come on now. I'm almost done. It's 11 o'clock. You're going to survive. I'd, I'd rather have this kind of a conversation with you that brings you to a place of decision where your personal life is concerned to really bring about and facilitate change so that you can be the person that God wants you to be than to just give you a bunch of fluff. Because I'm telling you, he can change your life if you'll let him you got to stop, you know, well, it was my parents or my upbringing or whatever. And all of that stuff is to be regretted. But listen, dude, you got to stop parking there and stop, and stop looking at what it is that dad didn't do or mom didn't do or, you know, whatever. Are you with me? Because it's not going to help you. But he will. Um, I'll just close with this, and, I, and, I, and the reason I use it is because me. I mean, you, you can't get any better than, you know, what you know about you. But like I said, you know, most of you have heard my testimony. I, I grew up in a pretty um, difficult home. I didn't think it was difficult because that's all I knew. You know, when you grow up in an environment, I mean, that's just, that's, that's what you do. I mean, you don't think about it one way or the other, but, you know, when I got away and got saved and got turned on to the Word and began to see it, I, I realized, dude, I was this, yeah, messed up. But the thing about it is, is that I was only doing what everybody else does. 
and, and I am, I'm being washed down the river of life and, and sin and all kinds of problems, you know, just like everybody else, and I don't think anything about it until Jesus showed up. Are you with me? I just tell him my firstborn, my oldest son, yesterday we were, he's pushing snow around us, sitting in the cab, and I don't know, somehow or another, I, while I was admiring Emily, his 11-year-old daughter, because she's out there in this, you know, tractor, snowblower deal, and she's got her headset on, and she can talk to Dad, and Dad's telling her what it is that she, and I was so proud of her. I said, son, I said, you have no idea how blessed, you know, I think he does, but I just wanted to reiterate how blessed he is with his children. You know, she's out there doing her thing. And then I told him my story when I was 17, 18 years old, maybe, I don't remember. But my dad told me the night before, he knew, you know, kid's going to go out and, you know, raise Cain on half the night and whatever. He says, now you get yourself home because we got to get busy and, you know, I don't know what we were doing, plowing, doesn't make any difference. It's on the farm. And so he wanted my tail on the backside of a tractor so I could sit there and, you know, let the thing grind away and do whatever it is we're doing. I said, yeah, no problem, Dad. Well, about 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning, I come strolling into the house. And he's sitting in the, he's sitting in the living room in his chair, in his recliner. He only said one thing to me. He said, you better sleep fast. So I went strolling into the you know, bedroom and crashed. And thank God he had mercy on me and told my mother, he said, well, let him sleep till about 10 o'clock and then get him up and send him up and we'll get him going. But you know, that was my lifestyle. That's the way that I had been raised. That's, that's what we do. And my point to saying that is, is that before I met Jesus, I was a kid without a way. And there are so many people that are just like me. So please be merciful to the messed upness that are in people's lives. Don't be like the crowd that says, what in the world is he going to Zacchaeus' house for? Are you with me? Be the person that remembers where you came from and be compassionate in the sense of hopefully being able to help them God help us not to become religious. Well, thank God I'm not like them and I don't do what they do or whatever. Dude, we don't need that. But let's just stop right here and let's just talk about this defining, what is it, the new you in 22? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. What's that going to look like for you? I don't know. But I tell you what, I just want to pray a simple kind of prayer where we as individuals consecrate ourselves to the purpose he has for me. Would that be all right with you? Let's just bow our heads here for a moment. Praise God. Father, I want to thank you again for the opportunity to stand before this group of people and those watching online. And God, I hope that I have shared with them
that I've shared with them, Father, your heart and your desire in the challenges that they have in life, the struggles they have in relationships, all of the external things that seem to be being imposed upon them. Father, I'm just asking you to minister to every heart and every life that's represented here today. We pray, Father, that you would invade our life And we invite you, Father God, to come and to help us in whatever the challenge or the struggle or the the difficulty might be. Father, change us from the inside out. Pray this prayer with me, church. Dear Heavenly Father, today I invite you to come and make a difference in my life. Show me what I need to know. Help me to be the person you want me to be. And I thank you, Lord, for your divine grace in my life. Forgive me, Lord, of my pride and arrogance. And I humble myself to hear from heaven and do your will. I pray for those that surround me and I ask you to bless them in everything they do, Lord. Help them to be the people that you want them to be. And I thank you, Lord, for blessing my home. In Jesus' name. Now, while every head's bowed, eyes closed, no one's looking around, and particularly for those of you, maybe again, that may be watching online, if you've never made a decision to receive Christ, that's where it starts. At the beginning of my message, you know, I just simply said, you know, that if you want help, it begins with a relationship with Him. So while every head's bowed, eyes closed, no one's looking around, I don't want to take anything for granted, but if perhaps you're here today and you've never asked him, you know, never really surrendered your heart to him, you know, maybe you just went through the motions. But if today is a different day for you and you say, God, I want want to give you all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my mind, then can I see your hand wherever you might be in this crowd today as I look? For those of you that are online, maybe you're watching us for the first time, I'm telling you, Jesus offers you a new life if you'll just come to him and ask him for it. So is there anyone? Maybe one? Okay. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Well, as a church, we're going to pray a prayer. The one that raised their hand, along with those of you maybe online that want to pray this prayer, I want you to pray it out loud and pray it loud enough for you to hear yourself pray it. And just let your heart agree with it. Say, it. say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Help me, Lord, to be the person that you've called me to be. And I thank you, Lord, for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.
Praise God. All right, you can all look up here, if you would, please. I turn it back on. Sorry about that. I was trying to do right for you. Anyway, listen, if you raised your hand this morning, it's an important, I want to congratulate you on the decision. And you may not know all the ins and outs about what it is that you've done, but I'm telling you what, it's the greatest decision and the greatest step that you've ever taken. So what I want to do is I want to offer you something. I want to put some materials within your hand and help you to get started on this walk that you have with the Lord Jesus. So I know you've got a choice. As soon as we dismiss, the doors will be open. You can go out the door, or you can come down here, and one of the folks here at the church with me will help to put some stuff in your hands and, again, to congratulate you on the decision. The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. So if you were serious about this decision you made, I really would encourage you to come and say, hey, I prayed that prayer, and I want the material that you have for me. It's a great big brand new beginning for you. Hallelujah. A new you in 22. Hallelujah. So uh, anyway, I trust that what we've shared with you this morning has been a blessing to you. And, uh, and um, you know, let God work in your life, you guys. Spend some time praying with him. I didn't even get into all of that. But, you know, you got to renew your mind to the word, start changing the way that you think. And that requires you as a, a human being to set aside personal time where you can just let the New Testament talk to you. Amen? And not the world. Not the news. Not some radio talk show. Whatever, whatever. I turned on a Christian radio. Uh, I jumped up in my tractor and I was going to do something and it was on this station. And um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, you guys, but I mean, I got in this tractor and I'm getting ready to go and somebody... You know, they start singing, and, and they talked about, you know, um, I don't remember what the lyrics were, but it talked about, you know, they're questioning God's faithfulness. And I shut it off. I just shut it off. I thought, dude, this is bubblegum music, you know. I mean, there is no question about the faithfulness of God. In other words, it really, it, was, it, it caused you to question whether God's faithful, you know. And I'm just thinking to myself, and I, I'll tell you what the deal is. You ready? You know, everybody's after airtime because airtime is what sells their product and that's what they make money. And so they will cater it to whatever it is that the world wants, not if it's any good or not. Half the stuff is junk. There's no faith. There's no victory. There's no, you know, redemptive realities. You remember Darlene Check, you know, at Hillsong. She started cranking out these albums, man, and I mean, they were full of faith, and they were just so good, and she would get no airtime, none. The best kind of quality music and material, and that woman got zip. Now, once in a while, you know, they maybe would throw her a bone, and she might have one song, you know, and a lot of times what would happen is, is somebody else would get the rights to it, and they would re-record it and stylize it and just basically mess it all up and take all the anointing out of it. So you say, well, what are you talking about this for? Aren't we done? Well, yeah, almost, you know. I'm saying, be careful what you feed on. I mean, praise God, listen to something that has some victory. You know, something that tells you that you are redeemed, not going to be. Hallelujah. 
and, and what it is, you know, that God has. He has a plan for your life, and by golly, it's a good one. Hallelujah. He loves you, that God is good. You know, some of the stuff you listen to on radio and different stuff, man, you're not sure who God is. Be careful. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Feed yourself things that are healthy. Amen. Eat your fruits and vegetables. You want to receive an offering? Let's take up a good offering. You say, well, what's a good offering? Well, a good offering is something that where everybody participates and they give God their best. Hallelujah.